también soy Erika Patricia Lema. I'm working for Summit Elementary School, like special education aid. And it's really exciting for me to work with children with this kind of capacity because they need a lot of love. I try to help them in all the tasks of the day and try to help them to read, recognize letters, numbers. Each kid is unique, so each kid needs something different. You can't do the same thing with all the kids. I'm original from Bolivia, in South America. In Bolivia, I have two degrees, one in law and second in business administration. I lived in my country all my life, almost 36 years. I have my career there, a really good job there, but God used different ways to move you when you, you think that you have to be here and God move you. So I think he used the most difficult way that was my divorce for moving me. And then I came here with nothing. <laughs> it was difficult because I have my two girls. So I have to, to fight. I have to stand up for, for them, for my girls. And I really love Lumenta. I love this place for my girls growing up. And I'm here to help kids. The most important thing for God, I think, is love. They ask him for love. And I think I'm working for the kingdom in that way. Wow, what a powerful story of being uprooted from everything that you have ever known, your country that you love, uh, your culture that you are familiar with, your career that you have worked just so hard to pursue, being uprooted from all of that and starting a fresh life in a new country, a new culture, starting a new job and doing it all as a single mom of two little girls. I think Erica's story is, is, a, is a great example for us of what it looks like to reorient our lives around the things that matter most when, when times in life just kind of leave us feeling a little disoriented. And for Erica, that meant reorienting her life around God's love, his love for her, his love for her girls, and then taking that love that they have received and now giving that love to others through the way that they live and through her new career. It's powerful stuff, and I think it's a great example for all of us. And it, and it begs a question that I want us to kind of start off with this morning. And the question is this, what can you do when everything around you changes? What can you do when everything around you changes? So what we're going to be exploring today as we continue our series called Resilient. And over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to be looking into the incredible life of Daniel to see what we can learn about just being having this resilient faith in, in a culture that is changing all around us. Daniel is a man whose life got flipped, turned upside down. Where are my 90 kids at here, everybody? All right. And through it all... 
he maintained his faith in the midst of all of the challenges that were around him. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Daniel chapter one. We've got some pew Bibles there in front of you if you need one. You can see, and it's about two-thirds of the way through Scripture. Um, open it up there and hold down to that. We're going to be looking at all of Daniel chapter 1 this morning. You know, for many of us, we know what it's like to live in a culture that feels much different than what we are used to. It seems like things in our society are changing uh, so quickly that, that, like, we went to bed one night and we woke up in an incredibly, completely different world the values that we used to hold on to, not just as a church, but even as, as, a, as a culture, as a community, we, we feel, many of us feel like those are just beginning to erode. And, and you may be in here today and you're thinking, well, this is a good thing. This needs to happen. And maybe you're in here thinking, what, what do we do? Because I look around and nothing feels the way that it used to feel. And for those of us who, who maybe still hold on to some of these values we're being labeled with different things like foolish or out of touch or the worst cultural sin of them all, irrelevant and intolerant. There's no doubt that as a society, we're moving more and more towards a post-Christian secular culture, and it's left many Christians feeling a little disoriented. We don't know how to respond, how to engage this new culture that we find ourselves now living in. And so what do we do when everything in life seems to be changing all around you? I think that Daniel offers us a really good plan. Daniel chapter 1 is probably most well known for giving us the Daniel plan diet, and there's nothing, like, I know people that have used the Daniel Plan diet, and it's been good and meaningful, and they've come into a healthy way of life. So that's great. But I think that Daniel chapter 1 gives us a whole lot more than just a dieting plan. It gives us a plan for how to navigate when life feels like it's changing all around us. So let's look at the text together, Daniel 1, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. And if you were here last week, you know, Tom preached through that and gave us an incredible just insight into Babylonian culture and what these young men were entering into. If you missed last week's sermon, um, go back online, socc.org, check out the podcast. It was, it was great. But we pick up now in verse 4. So he brings all of these, these young men in from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude in every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, 
and to Azariah, Abednego. So here we have kind of the the setting. Daniel and his friends find themselves uprooted from everything that they had ever known. And they are now replanted in this new culture, in this new country that is completely different in every way from what they were accustomed to, from what they grew up knowing. And, And they were left with a question that I think many of us are left asking when it comes to how do we engage this culture? And the question is, what do we do now? What do we do now, particularly with faith in a, in a culture that has no interest in their God? Do we just give up and, and give in and say, well, you know, if you can't beat them, join them? Do we scrap and fight and try to hang on to some sort of relevancy, hang on to what we've always known, what we've always done? What do we do now? And what we see in the, in the first several verses of Daniel chapter 1 is that Daniel and his friends jump right into their new culture. We see that they learn the language. They attend the schools. They studied Babylonian literature, which no doubt would have included um, stories about the gods that they worship. They would have studied things like, like the magic arts and beliefs that pushed up against their own faith. But we get a sense throughout the entire book of Daniel that these young men excelled in their studies. They were fully immersed into their new culture, even to the point of having their names changed, which was significant because their Hebrew names had such deep, meaningful, theological impact to them. Daniel means my judge is God. Hananiah is Yahweh is gracious. Mishael, who is what God is, meaning there is no God like the God of Israel. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. But now in this new culture, these young men receive new names that are stripped of their heritage and of their theology and of their meaning behind them. Daniel becomes Belteshazzar, protect his life. Hananiah becomes Shadrach, the commander of Aku, the moon god. Mishael becomes Meshach, who is what Aku is. It's a play on the transliteration of his Hebrew name into the Babylonian language. Nazariah becomes Abednego, servant of Nego, the, another Babylonian god. And through all of these changes, these four young men are being indoctrinated into their new culture. But notice that Daniel and his friends just seem to kind of go along with it. They don't put up a fight. They don't boycott. They don't resist. They just seem to go along with these things because they know in the long run, none of these changes matter. None of these changes matter. You see, they could learn new ideas, but it didn't have to change what they believe. The Babylonians could change their name, but it wouldn't change who they were in the eyes of God. Daniel and his friends could have fought back against their new culture and their new way of life, but when it came to these inconsequential things, they chose not to make a big deal out of it. They trusted God and that he was in control. 
And because of that, they were able to gain influence when it really mattered. And, and what really mattered came down to the food that they were offered from the king's table. Look at the, the text again, picking up in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord, my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. And kind of by extension, he's saying, and Daniel, you should be too. (laughs) Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And that word vegetable is Hebrew for anything that is, any seed that is sown into the ground. And so it's vegetables, it's fruit, it's, it's grains. And he's saying, just let us eat vegetables, fruit, grains, only have water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, And treat your servants in accordance to what you see. And so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. And so the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And you can imagine how well that went over with the other guys who maybe were enjoying that royal food. (laughs) So after all of these changes, all of these things that, that Daniel and Shadrach and Abednego, they, that they had, and Meshach had, had, had given themselves over to, all of these compromises that they had made in the terms of like what they studied, the literature that they read, all of these things in their culture that were changing, that they just kind of went along with. There was something about eating food from the king's table that made them say, this is where we draw the line. Here's why I think that is. I think that all of the other changes in their new culture only forced Daniel and his friends to compromise their traditions. Things like their language, what they studied, their names, I'm sure even their clothing changed. Everything was different. But those things were wrapped up more in tradition, what they were used to. And they were willing to let go of those things in order to maintain a spiritual influence in their new culture. And we see that in the favor that they were shown and the officials and the impact that they made, that their tact was a wise choice. But when it came to the food, that was a different story. See, eating from the king's table required a compromise in their faith that Daniel and his friends were not willing to make. See, the food that was served to the king would have first been offered as a sacrifice to the gods of the Babylonians. It would have been meat that was offered up in worship and wine that had probably been offered as well, and that was forbidden in Old Testament law. They were probably also served food that went against their cultural law and Judaism, and all of this left Daniel and his companions not willing to compromise their faith, not willing to disobey God. And so in verse 8, we read that Daniel resolved not to defile himself in this way. He resolved not to break the Lord's command and eat food from the royal table. 
that had been sacrificed to idols. Let's pause and just kind of think about this for a moment. When Daniel and his friends were brought uh, from Judah into exile in Babylon, they were roughly 14, 15, 16 years old. I have never met a 14, 15, 16 year old boy that has refused food. I don't know about you, never come across that. But it also could have been incredibly easy for these young men to justify compromising on their convictions. They could have said something like, well, you know what? We are hundreds of miles away from home. Who's going to know? Be a secret that just hold on to. They could justify it by saying, well, you know, God turned his back on us and allowed us to be taken into exile. We're going to turn our back on him and just go and do whatever we want. God, you hurt us. I'm done with you. They could have done all of these things. They could have given in to peer pressure. And not only that, this was probably the best food that they had ever seen. Even though they came from royalty and nobility, these meals still would have been the best that they had ever seen. And they included pork, which means bacon. And if you have never tasted bacon and you're smelling bacon for the first time, who would be really hard to say no to that, right? (laughs) Still, Daniel resolved not to break the Lord's command and eat the food served at the king's table. And this decision could have been seen as a direct insult to the king's generosity to give these exiles choice food from his own kitchen. This decision could have put them in a whole lot of danger. But Daniel and his friends knew that they answered to a higher authority than the king or the culture, and it was a risk that they were willing to take because of their faith in God. And so here we have, on the one hand, Daniel and his friends are willing to kind of go along with certain things in their new culture because they realize this only pushes up against our tradition. This only pushes up against what we are familiar with. On the other hand, you have them taking a strong stance against something that would have caused them to compromise their faith. And what we see in our text is because they let go of their traditions, because they held on to their faith, God blessed them and gave these four young men greater influence in their culture and their king. And because they had the wisdom to know the difference between what matters and what doesn't, and they refused to disobey the Lord, God equipped them to be influencers in their new world, in their new culture for him. In other words, their integrity increased their influence. Look at verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel can understand visions and dreams of all kinds at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, and now we're, we're here in between these two verses, about three years. At the end of the time set, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, kind of gave them an oral exam at the end of their graduate study to serve in his kingdom. The king talked to them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. That's not 
move past this last verse too quickly. Verse 21. After three years of training, Daniel entered into the king's service, would have been roughly around 601 B.C. We know that that Cyrus became king in 536 B.C. That means that for 65 years, under three different kings, God allowed Daniel to influence the Babylonian culture. Allowed him to influence this culture that he had been uprooted and planted into. A culture very different from what he was used to. A culture, don't miss this, a culture that he never bowed to, but he did adjust to. And I think Daniel's plan for thriving in this new culture comes down to this. Let go of what doesn't matter and hold tightly to what does. Let go of what doesn't matter and hold tightly to what does. So what can you do when everything around you seems like it's changing and you let go of everything that doesn't matter and you hold tightly to what does? And if you're wondering, well, what matters most? I think that Jesus tells us in a couple of different passages in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, he he sums up all the law and all the prophets by saying it comes down to these two things, love God and love others. And then in in Matthew 28, right as he's about ready to ascend back into heaven after the resurrection, he he commissions his disciples and us to go out and to make disciples, to serve this world, to invite them to find grace through Jesus that we have found. And I think in these two passages, the great commandment and the great commission, Jesus says that it all boils down to this, love God, love others, do everything you can short of sin to help others find the grace of God in their own life and leave the rest of it up to him. So if you find yourself in this new culture wondering what to do, wondering where do we go from here, this is it. Let go of what doesn't matter and hold tightly to what does. Fight the right battles. Yes, as believers, we need to to be a voice of the Lord, but fight the right battles. Love God, love others, and do everything you can to help people find the grace of God and follow him. Like Daniel, we need to pray for wisdom to know what doesn't matter and what is worth holding onto tightly and then double down on those things to know what is worth standing for and what is worth letting go of in order to to maintain an influence, a spiritual influence for Christ in our culture. All through the book of Acts, we see the early church wrestling with this. They're, They're wrestling. In fact, we even read in the book of Acts, there are arguments that break out between followers of Jesus who who are trying to decide what are the the, the Jewish traditions that we bring into this new faith and what are the things that we need to begin to push out to the side because they're just that, they're traditions. And, and, And they're not the way of this new covenant that Jesus has invited us into. And they go around and around on some of these things. And they're good, they're hard, but they're healthy conversations that we need to have. And as we navigate these waters of our new culture, we're in the same boat. And we need discernment to know what are the things that we need to hold on to loosely and with open hands, and what are the things that we need to hold on to tightly as non-negotiables. And so a couple of questions in the scripture just to help us process this and hopefully bring it home. Question number one is this. What tradition are you willing to give up so that someone else can experience Jesus? 
but tradition. Are you willing to give up so that someone else can experience Jesus? Daniel and his friends, they gave up some pretty important things to them in order to thrive in their new culture. Because of that, God allowed them to have influence in Babylon, not just for years, but for decades to come. And so I'm curious this morning, is there a preference? Is there a style? Is there some tradition that is good and meaningful and that's important to you that you would be willing to give up so that someone else could find salvation and hope in Jesus that you have? In other words, are you willing to make yourself uncomfortable so that someone else can find the comfort of Jesus? As we embark on reaching our new culture for Christ, it's going to mean doing things that we have never done before in order to reach those that we have never reached before. Am I willing Are you willing to give up a personal preference or style so that someone else can come to know Jesus and find the grace and the hope that you have found in him? Find the the, the assurance of heaven that is already secure for you through faith in Jesus. If not, I would challenge you to consider if you have made a good thing, a God thing in your life and you have placed it above his heart for those who are far from him. Question number two, where have you compromised your faith because of our culture? Where have you chosen to go with the flow of our culture instead of turning toward Jesus and surrendering to him no matter what it may cost? Is there a place where you have found it easier to change your belief than your behavior. Belief pushes up against culture and instead of holding on to that, you just kind of change your behavior instead. Have you bought into our culture's cheapened view of sex and marriage and dating? Have you prioritized your child's sport schedule, their education over their faith development and even your own? Maybe you've lost your compassion for the immigrant and refugee, and for you, it's no longer an issue involving real people. You've you've compromised your faith, a faith that calls us to care for those in distress and to show them compassion. You have compromised your faith to your political narrative and your culture. Are you willing? Am I willing to repent and turn back to the Lord. If not, I would challenge you to consider who or what you are actually worshiping. Is it really the Lord or is it the culture we live in? Are you really worshiping the Lord or are you worshiping your political party, no matter which side of the aisle you align to? This isn't easy stuff. (laughs) Believe me, I get it trying to navigate the same culture just like you are, and it's it's hard. It's hard. 
wrestling with some of the same questions that you wrestle with. I believe that in the end, it all comes down to this. It is faith expressing itself in love, loving God, loving others, and doing everything that we can, both individually and as a church, to help others find the grace of God in their life through Jesus. That's it. I am so grateful this morning that God's grace is available to me because if I'm honest, there are too many times when I am, um, you know, pretty hold on pretty tightly to those things that don't matter and, and I let go of those things that do. But through Jesus, we are forgiven. By grace, God has equipped us with everything that we need to go into this culture in which we live and to shine as a beacon of light, as a beacon of hope, that this light on a hill that is drawing people out of the darkness, out of the brokenness and back to Jesus who loves them and wants to give their life meaning and purpose and direction and grace. I'll close with these words that I think sum up so well what we've been talking about today. Paul writes this, Romans chapter 12, verse one through two. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Lay it down and say, God, here it is. It's all yours. I surrender everything to you. Lay it as an offering to him. My preferences, my styles, my beliefs. I lay it all to you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And may that be said of us and as a church, that as we surrender everything to him, God will bring out the best of us to serve our community, to shine his light of love, and that he will form this body of Christ into a mature body of believers who go out to love God, to love others, and to point them to the hope and the grace that is found in Christ alone. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, thank you for your word, for the conviction that it brings us sometimes. And Lord, you know how I've wrestled with this passage this week and you have done your work, at least started your work in my own heart through these words. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to mold us more and more into the image of Jesus. And there will be times where we need to use wisdom to discern what are those things that we can hold with open hands, that, that we can compromise in a way that, that, that we don't lose our influence, but we also don't compromise our faith. Lord, that takes so much discernment. We got to have you to lead us and guide us in that. And I know that you will, Lord. And so would you give us the same wisdom 
the same knowledge, the same favor that you gave to Daniel and his friends and may this church just shine as a light, as a beacon of hope in a world that desperately needs to know you because they are wandering further and further away. May they see us as a place, a refuge that they can run when they're looking for what truly matters, which is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.